freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. I hope your week is off to a good start. It might just be starting, but for us and everyone else who texted in in the early morning, it is well on its way. Might even be done for today. Mike Lefko and Maura Dooley with you here for Brock and Salk. Uh, they're both out tomorrow as well, so just getting that public service announcement out of the way. You'll have me and Brady Henderson and Maura will be here also. But we have yes, to do all the work. They aren't here. Justin is on vacation, also. <laughs> we have to do. All the work. That's what we do here. It's okay. Uh, I still, I remember the, um, you know, when we start to complain about things and you remember, oh yeah, a lot of people have actual like much tougher jobs. So I always appreciate that. The one that you guys were talking about when Salk was saying he was so cold one day and then someone texted in like, I have to wear this like massive cooling suit or whatever. Or they were talking about heat or cold and someone else was just like, well, actually I do this. And you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. I so, can't remember what we that appreciate was. It like a listening. paper plant or something? Yeah, I think so. It sounded so. like an intense job. So I appreciate everyone who's listening who does have to do physical labor because we just <laughs> we sit around. We, we get lazy. We just talk we, about we the just air talk. conditioning in this room being cold. And we we expel talk. a lot of hot gas, but uh, outside of that, we don't work very hard. So, yeah, I appreciate everyone listening and tuning in today uh, on a Monday. We've talked to a lot of Mariners. We certainly will this week as the Mariners get going against the Twins. It is a huge 10-game homestand. And it has not started off in good fashion, the loss to the Tigers. But the Mariners can still make up a lot of ground because you have four against the Twins. You have three against the Blue Jays. You can make up ground in the wildcard race if you take that series against Toronto. So it's still uh, all there right in front of them. But there might be something more important that happened over the weekend. Oh? Maura, you brought this to my attention, (laughs) that Tyler Lockett got married. And one Russell Wilson was there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I was a... I guess I can't say I was super surprised to see that. They played together for so long, and I think as much as there may have been some tension when Russell left the team, to me, Tyler Lockett's like one of the nicest people on the planet, and I don't think that probably carried over into their relationship. Like, I really don't picture him taking things personally. So I guess it's not that surprising because I saw some people in the comments like, oh, I thought his teammates hated him, and I'm like, okay, well, that that doesn't mean that there wasn't some friction. Like, Yeah, but it did get me thinking. And I kind of, you know, kind of threw that out there to you. And you were like, oh, yeah, hmm, that would be interesting. I wonder wonder what you would think about that as well. I was thinking, and I'm curious to know what the listeners think, 866-979-3776. That is the Mac and Jack's text line, so please chime in. Do you have a problem if players are friends with guys on opposing teams? That's the question out there. When you want your team to just beat the other team and... Wins are so important. Losses sting, especially in the NFL. Especially in the NFL, where it's once a week, you have 17 games, which I still hate. Go back to 16 or go to 18. But when you have so few games, does it bother you when players are friends with guys on opposing teams? So you're talking about outside of this situation when they were on a team together before. Well, they're, and they're, they're no longer. Friendship, right? They're now on opposing oh, you teams. Think they, you think some people think they should just cut ties completely after that? Yeah, should Tyler Lockett like, still know, be friends with Russell Wilson? I know Wyman's old school, and he doesn't like like the <laughs> jersey exchanges at the end of games and stuff, but he maintained friendships with guys on other teams, didn't he? You'll have to ask him. I don't know. 
That's a good well, let's ask that's him. Funny. Let's say, so, like, Wyman, did you just Seahawks hate first, everyone? And he went to the yeah. Broncos. So did he just like, cut, obviously he didn't cut off all the Seahawks teammates when he went to the Broncos because he's still friends with Moyer. Nah, all right. Okay. <laughs> so Maybe off they the field's okay. during that time period. Off the field's okay. But it got me more of thinking of, all right, if you kind of push that forward into the season and during games. So are you fine with the after jersey exchanges? And if you have people going up and talking after games, hugging each other, yeah, they're humans, they're friends and all that. Mm-hmm. But in the, the uh, not, I'm not going to say battlefield, I don't want to compare that. But, you know, in the heat of the game, mm-hmm. right afterwards, does it sting at all when your team has lost and then you see the players going over there and kind of glad handing it up with the other team? It doesn't bother me, but I will say that I do love a good rivalry. Like sometimes you like those, you know, Richard Sherman, Michael Crabtree, like type heated feuds where they don't like each other and they're not friends off the field. And I think back to like the Last Dance documentary and you you watch some of those old NBA rivalries and they've really hated each other. <laughs> it does kind of bring another level of intensity to the game as a fan because you you feel like you're you're on board with that too. You're like with your team, those players hate each other. You're a fan of the team, so you hate that team too. And it's not as I guess now you almost kind of have to manufacture rivalries a little more because you know that most of it's just friendly at the end of the day. But I don't know, I don't fault players at all for for being that way. I think you have to kind of have an off-field life and an on-field life and once the game's over, uh, you can probably become too intense if you carry that over too far. I think a lot of people are along your same lines. Very logical chiming in that's saying like, yeah, as long as it doesn't affect the game that off the field, it's fine. We often forget that, right? They're like guys have lives off the field. We see them as athletes and that's kind of the problem when athletes are subject to so much hatred and anger on social media. People forget and they come off the field they're humans. They just they have families. They have normal lives. They do their things. So, yeah, I don't think I have a problem with it either. Just some people can take that and say, well, I just wish there was the true I dislike this team. And you did have that more when there wasn't as much player movement, when there wasn't social media that made it easier for players on different teams in different cities to stay in touch. So mm-hmm. not to get all old school here because... I, I've been called old on our show. I don't think I'm old, but not to get old school there. I think it's you have, a lot different. You're not old. You have you have old man vibes. Old sometimes. man vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that seems to fit in with the nature <laughs> of uh, with my show and, and this show. Sometimes in the morning. Yeah, maybe Bob and Wyman rub off on you. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I didn't really have a problem with it either. I just thought it was interesting, and you do see that that hard line mindset sometimes of mm-hmm. I hate this guy, I hate this team. I don't want anything like like that. Yeah, and I think, you know, DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey have quite the on-field rivalry, and they get into it. But I think they've both talked off-field about how much they respect each other, and I just think that it it trends a lot more that way nowadays. I don't know if it's maybe social media making things so much more accessible for guys to just kind of clear things up or that they run into each other in circles more nowadays. But um, to me, like, they... They are just as heated on the field as they would have been back in the day. But if they can still keep it friendly off the field, then you get the best of both worlds. But, hey, there are there are guys that really get into it. What Juju Smith-Schuster uh, had some some beef last year. I heard Tyree Kill talking about it uh, recently with, a, with quite a few guys. He seems to... Oh, so actual dislike. Him. Yeah. Okay. He seems to get himself into some trouble. Well, I think, wait, Steelers fans 
then kind of turned on him when he when he left. Yeah. And what do they call him? Like the TikTok wide receiver yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, maybe your own fan base turns on you if you were friends before. But uh, I think perhaps there is more... More controversy about DK's tuxedo shorts at yeah. Tyler Lockett's wedding than anything Someone else. Someone texted in and said, please talk about DK's shorts. I don't know what exactly they want us to, to say about them. I think he pulled them off. I mean, I've seen LeBron do that already, or, but it was more of like a suit, not a full tux. Do you think only athletes and extremely famous people can do that? Like, yes. we couldn't walk. Normal people can't do that. You have to be extremely famous to the point of, you know what? I am comfortable in who I am, and I am such a big deal that I don't care. And I have uh, enough fashion sense to be confident in that. I'm saying from an athlete's perspective. Me, personally, no. I would, uh, I would not really rock the tuxedo shorts. I can't see it, but maybe. I, I don't think I've ever seen you in a, a tux. It, but it would yeah. just—it would just be jarring, right? If I someone think so. normal, if you're at a wedding, <laughs> next wedding you go to. All right, take this. Take next wedding you go to. Whoever goes to a wedding next, look around at the assembled guests yeah. and just say, "Huh? Could anyone pull off the tuxi- tuxedo shorts?" You'd have to have an immense amount of swag, and I, I think DK has that. That's what it comes down to. Yes. Okay. It comes down even to swag. Guys on the team yep. that, that don't. Oh, have that's that. what 208 said. It ain't fame, baby. It's swag. Yep. Yes. Okay. We have. Figured out so like, how you can pull off tuxedo Julio shorts. Julio could pull it off, but AJ Pollock could not. So it's not even about being an athlete. Okay, swag it is. All right, yeah. we will find appropriate levels could you of swag Ty and weight. <laughs> For some reason, just his body type, I don't see in tuxedo and shorts. Or like Paul Sewald, who just—I think he admits <laughs> he's the typical embodiment of just a dad. Dad vibes. Going to yeah. going to town, going to Jonah do his job, comes home, <laughs> nothing too out of the ordinary. Just embraces so maybe that. Maybe it so. just works more for the NFL players than all the right. MLB appropriate players. levels of swag lead to tuxedo shorts. We have solved that mystery. Coming up <laughs> next, uh, a little more from the NFL and a lot that you need to know. It's Mora and Mike in on the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first the mariners host the twins for four games beginning tonight 640 first pitch but what i really need to know uh Maura, how's that ranked list coming along oh it's good the people are waiting it's gonna be an actual ranking they are dying to list. know what ranking is gonna be today what what list is gonna be today well it's you and i so you know there's food involved yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, there will be food involved, and we will uh, we'll rank some baseball-related food things coming up at 945. So that's what you need to know for later. But, yeah, the Mariners, four games against the Twins beginning today. 640 first pitches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1240 on Thursday. Logan Gilbert and Sonny Gray on the mound tonight. A heck of a pitching matchup. I think we've talked about this, Maura, that after the Mariners win yesterday, a very low-scoring win dominated by pitching. Maybe expect the same in this series because the Twins and Mariners, two of the best pitching staffs in baseball. Yeah, uh, they're pretty evenly matched when you look at their strengths. Um, I did see that the uh, the Twins have struck out even more than the Mariners by quite a bit. So um, I think Logan Gilbert's going to kick off his first start after the All-Star break strong, and hopefully the offense can give him a little support. That is surprising, considering what David Schoenfeld told us, that the stat he found, the Mariners have four guys on pace to have at least 180 strikeouts. No team has ever had two guys do that. 
and the Mariners are on pace to have four of them. So uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of low-scoring games in hand today, and as I say that, or today through this series, and as I say that, of course, get ready for some high-scoring games. But yeah, big series uh, against the Twins coming up, and the Mariners did salvage the series against the Tigers yesterday. 2 nothing win. Bryce Miller gave you five innings in his first start back from the IL, and they'll turn the page to uh, more home, home games. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, despite what's been a tough season for the Storm, a pretty cool accomplishment over the weekend, an individual accomplishment. Jewel Lloyd was named the WNBA All-Star Game MVP, and she did it just uh, with a barrage of three-pointers. Ten made threes, had an All-Star Game record 31 points, so all your field goals came from behind the three-point line, and Jewel Lloyd, part of the victorious Team Stewart. Brianna Stewart's team defeated Team Asia Wilson, 143-127. to 127. Oh, cool thing there for Jewel Lloyd. Ten threes is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. It's, and it's I mean, a ton. On a, she's the MVP on a pretty stacked team because Brianna Stewart, her captain, was on it. Brittany Griner, Sabrina Ionescu. So, wow. Okay. Yeah, good for Jewel Lloyd. Maybe she just got hot and they were like, you know what? Go off. Beat her. You know, keep keep shooting. Yeah, the heat check. Heat check until you miss. I think she did like take 20 plus threes, but <laughs> hey, you make half of them. That's a, that's a pretty dang good percentage behind the three-point line. So, yeah, Jewel Lloyd, all-star game MVP with 31 points. Here's the third thing you need to know. NFL moves starting to heat up with training camps looming next week. DeAndre Hopkins has reportedly signed with the Tennessee Titans. ESPN's Zana Rossini says it's a two-year deal. Could be worth up to $15 million, including a $12 million base salary this season. That's another big name uh, departing from the NFC to the AFC. And I think, did we just get an actual date on Hard Knocks? So we knew the Jets were going to be on Hard Knocks, and they came out with an actual date that it begins yes, today. Yes, August 8th. Okay. Five episodes, begins on August 8th, August 8th to September 5th. So a lot of good NFL-related programming out there right now with uh, Hard Knocks and with this quarterback series on Netflix. Craving the uh, the NFL always. It's a year-round kind of craving. So we have the yeah. content now to provide. Just when you think they can't add more, there's there's always more every year. We're yeah. already seeing fantasy football previews. It's we're getting close. Did that kind of hit you like, oh, training camps like next week? Okay, we're here. It did sneak up on me, but I'm super excited. It's always my favorite to be out there. VMAC like is a beautiful facility, and and getting to see a little more because I'm I'm so excited for this draft class. And Jackson Smith and Jigba and Devin Witherspoon were kind of held back in OTAs, so I really want to see what they can do. I uh, unintentionally drove by VMAC on Saturday. I was trying to go east on I-90 to go on a nice little hike. It was closed. There's construction going on over the weekend. So coming from I-5 North, you could not get off at that downtown exit. So you had to keep going. And then I realized, uh uh-oh, the next time to get off is all the way down to get onto 405. So we went on a nice little tour uh, around the Seahawks. Oh, hey, look. I unexpectedly drove down to uh, CV Max, so there you go. We'll be there plenty uh, over the next few weeks. So the very, very scenic route all around Seattle this weekend. Uh, and yeah, and then I was like, yep, training camp's here. It begins early August. Uh, the Seahawks have a mock game, so that's uh, that's going to get going. And all of a sudden, we have that football-baseball mix, and you have the busy weekends that are going to happen like this weekend where you have Mariners and Taylor Swift. Well, soon 
You're going to have Mariners and Seahawks, and you'll have that for uh, a couple weekends. And eventually weekends. the Kraken, too. And eventually Kraken, too. You might have that uh, three-sport home weekend if we are so lucky. Well, uh, one more thing you need to know. Carlos Alcaraz wins his first Grand Slam. He knocked off Novak Djokovic in a pretty epic five-set match to win his first Wimbledon title yesterday. Now, the 20-year-old joins uh, some rare air. He becomes just the fifth guy to win a Wimbledon title in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's been dominated by the big three of Djokovic, Nadal, and Roger Federer, and then Andy Murray, the only other one before yesterday to have won a Wimbledon title. So new blood in the tennis world. I like it. I don't watch a ton of tennis, but as we talked about earlier, I think Djokovic seems uh, a bit unlikable, and I always like when the underdog pulls off a win. Well, we didn't talk about, but we did mention it in Around the Weekend, Steph Curry wins the American, I'm going to get the sponsor name wrong, but he wins a golf tournament. American Century Championship, yes, the celebrity sure. golf tournament. Yeah. I just, right, I saw it was like ACC was the abbreviation. And I was like, wait, college football? No. So it's uh, it's a pretty fun tournament. Uh, a lot of celebrities play in that. But Steph Curry, the hole-in-one on Saturday, and then he wins the tournament. And uh, yeah, his bump brought up when we had him on for Blue 88. Steph Curry didn't play that well in uh, in the match a couple weeks ago when it was Curry and Clay Thompson against Kelsey and Mahomes, mm-hmm. and you had the Chiefs come out on top. So nice redemption arc there for Steph Curry. Yeah, he had uh, quite the couple of days there. Some of the shots he made seemed uh, pretty difficult. And I feel like I saw more about this over the weekend than I did the match, which used to kind of be a big draw. I don't know. I guess not having the um, professional golfers paired with the athletes, this year, the the NFL mm-hmm. players and NBA players this year, kind of, I feel like uh, it lost some of the the eyes on it that it normally has. I think the match was perfect for what it was created for. It was created as a COVID sports-centric programming True. when there were no sports. And when that was the only thing on, we were desperate for anything like that. And you kind of lump it in with actual sports happening, and, and to me at least. I'm sure a ton of people still watched it, but for me, it kind of lost the luster of, okay, this is a cool, unique, behind-the-scenes moment where you see two iconic quarterbacks playing with two of the greatest golfers. Yeah. Now it's been diluted. You have actual sports on, so eh, I don't <laughs> care as much. Maybe the match can can go away and we find something else. Yeah, maybe we'll that's it. I just it happened this year, and I, the next day I was right. like, "Oh, did that happen?" Yeah, the match. No, it happened. <laughs> uh, the best part of that might have been Charles Barkley as the commentator. Yeah, so he's fun. yeah, you you get that, and maybe the match has run its course. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in the NFL because, as we were just saying, training camps are here. I mean, they begin a week from. Wednesday, at least for the Seahawks, uh, plenty of other training camps happening around the NFL. So we will kind of go through a Seahawks preview, maybe set the scene for what to expect as training camps open next week. This is the Brock and Salk Show. Mike Lefko and Maura Dooley here with you on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, we are frantically combing through our ranked lists. Bringing you a great one coming up. Uh, This is going to be one of the greatest rankings ever happen on a July 17th Monday. Oh, wow. And we're already going to get the standard. Yeah, we're going to get texts that simultaneously hate it and love it. And, you know, the the fun part of the diehards of ranked, the either diehard hate it, the constant. I know I've seen it. You you always mention it. No, ah, that's the worst segment on radio. But then, <laughs> when you try to alter it, you get the other side. This oh, yeah. is the worst. Yeah, there's a segment. When is ranked back? There's a segment of people that are wrong that think that the way Salk does it <laughs> is fun. They, yeah, they, they relish in it. But I mean, I guess maybe they're like Rob 
uh, Rob, who's on the board with us today, uh, was a traveling musician for a long time, so he likes the deep dive that Salk does into music. Exactly. So okay, I do you not. guys, you guys should just relabel <laughs> this fifteen minutes of music. Yes, and just call the end of should your be. show that. Absolutely should be. All right, and I think then it'd be more acceptable, more palatable to people who truly know what they're getting well, in for. And that's what I say. They should just be more honest about mm-hmm. what it is. Ranked as a misleading title. Very misleading title. Yeah, but doesn't it? Don't they actually rank at the end? I mean, isn't that kind Do of they? the thing? Sort I mean, it's a, it should Man. be called list. But they're honorable mentions. Yeah. I was arguing with Salk about this last week because ESPN is doing these positional rankings for the top 10 players at each position. And for the safeties, Quandre Diggs was an honorable mention. And he goes, see, Mora, they have honorable mentions too. I was like, no, this actually hurts your argument because Quandre Diggs is a good honorable mention. He is a good safety. He probably should have been top 10. Your honorable mentions are songs you don't even like just so that everybody knows that you know them. So that would be like naming every safety in the NFL as honorable mentions just so everyone knows that ESPN knows who they are. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he just wants to show his deep catalog knowledge yes. of Rush songs. It's it's he and Justin trying to show how many things they can list. It's like uh, everyone that hopes they can be a professional golfer one day. Those two are still yeah. harboring aspirations that they're just going to be professional DJs again. He has, I know Salk has yeah. talked about he wants to be a music DJ. He has so. said he has a dream of that, yeah. Right. All right. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the end goal there. So we'll let him work towards that. But we are going to bring you, and I'm just warning everyone, listening, we're going to bring you session. a vastly different ranking today, but still very enjoyable. So that's coming up in 945. Uh, but what you were saying, Maura, about the positional rankings. So ESPN has done that, and they have come out with their running backs, their tight ends, a couple of offensive line ones. Today, they just came out with the quarterbacks. And so far, through all of these, through all of these positions in a ranking of top 10 players at each position around the NFL, there are what? How many Seahawks in any of these? Uh, in the top 10 at their yeah. position? That would be zero. Zero in and any I, of them so I far. I believe that wide receiver is the only position group left. So that's every other position. We though, have like had some honorable mentions, and also there's a category of guys receiving votes. Uh-huh. Like Geno Smith was a guy receiving votes in the quarterback category. He didn't make honorable mention. Um, but yes. So oh, that. So, well, so the wide I have receivers, some beef now with that then. If they're doing honorable mentions, but then also receiving votes, but those guys weren't honorable mention? <laughs> yeah. No. So they do top 10. Um, and then in the honorable mentions, they have about one, two, three, four. Uh, they have about five guys in the honorable mentions, and then they also list a few that received votes. Geno Smith is listed as receiving votes, along with Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about Geno Smith getting lumped in with that group. I don't think he belongs to be lumped in with that group. Huh. Tua Tungavailoa is mentioned in honorable mentions as as is David Carr, I think he's better Derek. than I'm sorry, yeah. yeah, Derek Carr. I think he's better than both. I of them. would put David Carr in the list that Geno Smith in. <laughs> like retired David Carr, I would put in with also, those other ones. Deshaun listed. Watson was an honorable mention. Hmm. That has to be based on history because it was not based on last year. Yeah, that doesn't seem like Geno Smith should be in that category. And this list is voted on by execs, um, players, coaches, and scouts in the NFL. So I'm surprised by that. Well, and then also what you brought up was the one we really have to shake our head and just kind of do a double take about running backs. Mm-hmm. Ken Walker is an honorable mention. And there are 10 running backs listed. 
ahead of him. And, well, maybe more if they list honorable mentions ahead of him. But and one of those running backs does not even have, not a have a team, team right now. Dalvin Cook is the number eight running back on their list, and no one has signed him. So a guy who literally has no place to play is still rated as a better running back than Ken Walker. I mean, and it speaks a lot to the state of the running back in the NFL right now. They really just, uh, teams are not willing to spend at all on them. It's it's pretty insane. Um, Christian McCaffrey is like one of the only guys that's been able to maximize his value. And he is very talented, but also has had some injury history. Um, but yeah, their list goes Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, who's fallen off a little bit, Dalvin Cook, Tony Pollard, and Austin Eckler. The only one I'd have an issue with outside of Dalvin Cook is Tony Pollard because you're basing that on projection. I mean, he has not been the lead back. He got the bulk of the carries for the Cowboys last year with Zeke on the decline, but a full season, a full workload being the guy, we haven't seen that yet from Tony Pollard. So if you're going to do that, why not Ken Walker, who in his rookie year when he was healthy, he absolutely churned up opposing defenses. But hey, that's a matter of perception yeah. I mean, and opinion. Pollard did have 1,000 yards last year. Um, and I do think he's pretty talented. But yeah, Ken Walker was an honorable mention. So one position group left, receivers. Receiver is the Seahawks' last hope to have a player reach the top 10 of the positional rankings. Uh, I would be stunned if they don't. If DK Metcalf's not in there, I would absolutely um, be stunned. Is there an argument for Tyler Lockett? Well, yes, from our perspective and in terms of his production, but in terms of flash and with how many good receivers are around the league, I don't think he's going to make it. I feel like he's one of those honorable mentions or maybe receiving votes. If it's uh, executives around the league, I know a lot will probably have him in there, but I don't think if you look at all the top-end talent around the wide receivers in football that... And Tyler Lockett gets up there because he doesn't have the flash of a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or even A.J. Brown or guys like that, C.D. Lamb. I mean, there's there's just so many that jump off the page. Stephon Diggs, like, we don't have to list them all. But uh, there are so many good number ones that yeah. Tyler Lockett is uh, essentially a, a co-number one or a number two. I, I don't know if he cracks top ten. But yeah. he, he's a great one-two combo. And I, I know there have been some of those rankings where they list the Seahawks wide receiver group like as a whole as among the best in football, projecting that Jackson Smith and Jigba will add to that core of Lockett and Metcalf. I would hope DK Metcalf gets in there because that's going to be a glaring omission if on all these position groups, not a single Seahawk makes a top 10. I would think that he does a top 10. I have heard a lot of like uh, other players around the league list their top five receivers, and DK usually doesn't get in there. Well, one guy who is probably a top five receiver consensusly. Con- is that consensus? By consensus? Sure. I don't think consensusly is a word, but uh, a near consensus top five receiver is Tyreek Hill, who, not surprisingly, is very fond and very bold on what he thinks he'll do this season. And all I'm going to say is 2,000 yards was on my bucket list to get, bro, before I leave this league. Yeah, bro. Yeah. And y'all think the Chief is going to leave without doing something he promised himself he's going to do as a, as a jit? I got y'all, baby. 2,000 yards and another Super Bowl. We getting that. Believe that. I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I kind of laughed at it at first because, um, especially because there's so many questions about whether Tua Tungvaluwa can even stay. Like, I'm not even sure he should still be playing after the concussion issues that he went through last year. 
Um, and then, you know, they kind of had to rotate quarterbacks after that. But I looked it up, and even with playing with three different quarterbacks last year, he did go for 1,700 yards. So it's not that far-fetched that he could reach 2,000. I don't know about the Super Bowl next year. I think you might need to calm down on that. But 1,700 is still— or I'm sorry, 17, yeah. 1,700 is still a far cry from 2,000. Yeah, yeah if, very but, if, close, but if he can get some but, consistency at quarterback, um, it's possible. That's, I mean, yeah, but that's almost two full games. I think games. Cooper Cup hit it year before last, didn't he? Yeah. I believe. So, yeah, he could. Um, but to to do both those, it's a, it's a little bull. But, yeah, there's there's Tyreek Hill's projection um, for this season. And that is a guy that I think if you're you're talking about top ten wide receivers, he's he's in there. You know, as much as Tyreek Hill is not a good person. Uh, his production and his speed is undeniable. So yep. on the football field, he is one of the best. Um, but there's that bold prediction not from Tyreek Yeah, Hill. I'm not necessarily rooting for him to do that. Yeah, Cooper Cup is the only player to ever record 2,000 receiving yards in a season in the 102-year history of the NFL. So that's that's how tough it is. So, all right, good luck, Tyreek Hill. I do want to make a correction here. I have kind of forgot about special teams. Someone said, did Michael Dixon not get in the top 10? Are they, so oh, are they doing I, I'm not sure if they're teams? doing special teams position rankings, but I guess that is another chance that the Seahawks could maybe have to get in there. Jason Myers also had a good year last year. Hmm. Big hate for special teams. They don't. But I, I guess we forgot about it too. Yeah, well, you'd have to do you'd have to do place kickers and then punters. Yeah. And I I feel like if they're doing quarterbacks now, like towards the end, uh, wouldn't punter kicker be kind of towards the front when you unveil these? It's not like you do we'll your see. big. You don't do your big unveil of all the marquee positions and then be like, all right, and stay tuned. Best place kickers around the league coming yeah. up tomorrow. True, but Michael Dixon should definitely be a top ten punter. I think so. I don't. I honestly, I don't. I don't know. I don't know ten punters around the league. That's <laughs> oh, fair. That's that would, fair. That but but we know that he he's up there. Ooh, that would be a good game. Put someone on the spot. Can you name <laughs> ten punters in the NFL? Active uh, punters? No. No, I couldn't. I could not. You know, you like you kind of go to a jog a memory like, oh, who's the coach here? And you kind of go through every team and say, mm-hmm. wait, do I know all the coaches? Do I know all the starting quarterbacks? Good luck doing that with punters. Hmm. Uh, as we kind of switch it from these quarterbacks or these receivers we've been talking about to quarterbacks. So Kirk Cousins on the Vikings radio station K-Fan was asked about a list that Justin Jefferson came out with where Justin Jefferson was asked to name his top five quarterbacks. And Jefferson said Mahomes, Rogers, Burrow, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. And Kirk Cousins was asked how he felt not making that list. I didn't even see it. So this is the first time hearing about it. Uh, as a competitor, yeah, I mean, you'd always want that, but uh, um, you know, people again have to be honest and share their their uh, you know what they think. And I'm not going to tell somebody what they need to think. And hopefully, in 2024, I'll be on his list. You know, we'll see what we can do this year. <laughs> oh man, he's so nice. I I feel like. Um... I've I've heard receivers before, even if they have a bad quarterback, <laughs> put their quarterback in the top five just to you know kind of keep the peace. And I, I guess Justin Jefferson doesn't play that. I mean, I don't blame him. It probably it's the truth that Kirk Cousins isn't a top five quarterback. But I think a lot of times guys fake it for for their teammates' sake. That would have been illogical. True. And maybe Justin Jefferson was just like, oh, you're asking me a question. I'm going to answer it honestly. So uh, good on Kirk Cousins for not being too offended. And uh, one more here. So Sam Darnold. He had that famous mic'd up moment early on in his Jets career that kind of derailed it when he was caught, uh, when it was overheard saying, I'm seeing ghosts. 
Um, so he he talked about uh, more things relating to ghosts. This time, not on the football field. It was crazy though, man. Like I never had anything like that happen to me before. Um, I'm talking about, I mean, I guess both, you know, the New England game and <laughs> and at George's house. No, but uh, it was just it was crazy, man. Like I woke up and you know how sometimes you have a dream and then you wake up and you feel like you can't move for yeah. like maybe four or five seconds, yep. whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I felt that and I woke up, at, it was like 3 a.m., went to go take a pee and, you know, came back, fell right asleep. And then that next night, um, you know, the, the night after that, the same thing happened. Um, and I like, I just like couldn't, like I had to like keep focusing on this thing in the, like there was something else. The hat man. Like in the room. So that's uh, Sam Darnold on Pardon My Take saying he saw ghosts at George Kittle's house. Yeah, I guess he was staying with him for a little while. Um, it, it really is funny that he's willing to make that joke of like, well, there was that one time in New England, too, because we all remember that very embarrassing moment when he got caught on mic in a game where he's yeah. playing poorly, saying he was seeing ghosts out there. Wasn't that a Monday night football game, too? It was something big. Yeah, so good on him for... Uh... For kind of playing it up and having a good laugh. But about he, it. Thought, he sounded pretty serious about feeling like yeah. <laughs> George Kittle's house is haunted. I know. Uh, hey, don't forget Seattle Sports has your chance to win four tickets to the Seahawks Football Fest plus gift cards for the Seahawks Pro Shop. Be there August 4th for the mock game, live music, food trucks, and an autographed football toss after practice. You can find more info about all of this and the sweepstakes and football fest at seattlesports.com slash win. All right, we put it off long enough. Oh, it's already time. Let's get to ranked. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, Maura, you and I are kind of stick to the... The script, we're going to stick to the base notion of what this segment should be. We are going to rank things, and <laughs> unless you have some honorable mentions, I mean, we can get right to it if you want. So we are ranking today the craziest baseball foods you want to try. Ballparks have come out with all sorts of wild contraptions, and there Contraption. are lots. There, <laughs> I, I have to call it that because I don't really even understand the things they're doing with food now. The combinations and the way things have merged into one or this item amalgamating into this one. So, yeah, we decided we love food. We love baseball. Let's rank the craziest baseball foods you want to try. You want to get right into the top five? Yes, okay. let's do it. All right. Do you have I'm going to uh, be so hungry by the uh, end of this. I know, and I haven't eaten much in the last hour. Sorry. No, I know. I'll go I'll go eat I'll go eat some of these soon. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, we can just alternate. So, yeah, you give your five. I'll give mine. All right. Four, three, two, yeah. Uh, at number five, I'm starting with a dessert. Um, the Blue Jays have a churro dessert poutine. So it is churros um, with ice cream and caramel sauce. So mm. instead of the potatoes and gravy. Um, uh, yeah, I think churros are delicious. And the, and making it into a sundae sounds like an excellent idea. I do wonder if people have their own unique takes on this or if... Uh... You guys have your own favorite ballpark foods you've had or you want to try. 866-979-3776 on the Mac and Jack's text line. Uh, I'm going with the Rangers, the Boomstick Hot Dog. It's a two-foot-long hot dog with you know all sorts of stuff on it. They actually have a kind of adopted a new version of that this year, the Boomstick Burger. 
just looks like a little too much. But yes, uh, anything of the boomstick variety that's just loaded with chili <laughs> and cheese and, and all that stuff. Uh, okay, let's let's hit your number four here. All right, number four, I am going with the Cleveland Guardians pork and waffle. It is oh. a waffle ice cream cone with barbecued pulled pork, coleslaw, and mac and cheese inside. We're going to have some repeats. Okay, that's all right. You like that one, too? It's it's on my list. Although I would sub maybe mashed potatoes for the mac and cheese. So here's what I'll say about that. I just think if you're going to do it in a waffle ice cream cone, shouldn't you have some kind of ice cream in there? Find a way to work the ice cream in. Maybe at the bottom and then stack up the layers and put the stuff on top. Wait, you want ice cream with all that savory oh, stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mix it in, kind of merge it down lower. So that's your number four. My number four is uh, something of a variety I had actually in the Cape Cod League. They had this. They called it the Hurler at Yarmouth Dennis. So the Phillies have it now. The Donut Burger, a bacon cheeseburger with donuts as buns. Ooh. All right. Yeah. I like the sweet and savory. That sounds very heavy. but The, like, the warm donut and then the burger just mixes so well. Hmm. You've and had it, something it's a like great that before? Bite. So yeah, so on the Cape Cod League, they have a version of that. They call it like the hurler and the slider. You could have a normal donut with a cheeseburger or a jelly donut with a cheeseburger. But the uh, the donut as bun concept, fantastic. Brilliant idea there. Hmm. Brilliant. Just great work all around. <laughs> Alright, number three. Number three, I'm going with uh, this one is at Target Field. The boomstick and peanut butter and jelly. There's so many boomstick ones. Boomstick and peanut butter and jelly candied bacon sandwich. Oh. So it looks kind of like a panini, like it's been grilled peanut butter and jelly with candied bacon inside. Hmm. Uh, Target Field seems like they know how to do their food. They're the because spot. I have a food item from Target Field <laughs> on here, a little bit higher on my list. Very jealous that. Uh, all the Mariners are going there next week. So everyone that's going to Minneapolis or anyone that might be going to the Mariners games out there, get there hungry and, and take advantage of the good food yeah. at Target Field. Send us pictures. Of all oh, please. Food. Absolutely. Please send us pictures. Uh, my number three, the Braves, the Burgeritza, a burger and a pizza. It is oh my gosh. a bacon cheeseburger. Seems to be a common theme here. It's always bacon cheeseburger. Bacon cheeseburger with two pepperoni pizzas as buns. No, that's too much. And I think it's big, too. I don't think it's like a personal pan pizza. I think it looks like a big kind of pepperoni pizza on top. Would you fall asleep for the game? Who cares? You had that. <laughs> <laughs> there are 81 home games. You can fall asleep for one of them. Oof. Too much for you? Though. Yeah. I don't think I can. I think I'm out on that one. Okay. Yeah. The burger pizza. You don't I'm usually proud of see, you, though. You don't usually see pizza and burgers combined. No. You see... A- burger hot dog kind of combination you see yeah the donut burger all sorts of things like that but that's a strategy cotton it is a bold bold strategy (laughs) uh okay number two all right i am going um i think this is at the oriole stadium pork rind chippers um so this is pork rinds topped with crab meat cheese which looks kind of like a nacho cheese and old bay Old Bay, great on everything. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic. I think they also there have some kind of good version of the Chesapeake fries they do. So I think, yeah, you go, you're the Orioles ballpark. I think you got to get something with some crab. You got to get some kind of seafood out there. You're going to get some good eats. Uh, mine is what you already mentioned. Nine, number two, the pork and waffles for the Guardians. It looks so good because it's built up in that waffle cone. Barbecue pulled pork, coleslaw, mac and cheese, in the waffle cone. 
but I don't, I honestly, I don't really get the ice cream cone if there's no sweet, if there's no ice cream in it. I think it's just a way to make it different. And you mix a little bit of sweet and savory, mm. but I think adding ice cream is insane. Rob, what do you think? Should they throw some ice cream in there? Well, no? of course. Yes, thank you. All right, good. <laughs> you were shaking your head like they shouldn't. But. Well, I mean, I, I actually really follow what uh, Maura's saying about sweet and savory. I think that combination is just vital to most snack foods. Well, you do chicken and waffles, right? So yes. A waffle cone is just like a fried hard version of. And I know. think here, here's my idea. We'll talk to the, the Guardians. You build up all those layers, but you put a layer of ice cream at the bottom. So then you're not necessarily mixing the barbecue. You just have your dessert. And, the- yeah. So you eat all your way. You eat your way down to it. And then you get the ice cream treat at the bottom. So you just have some ice cream with a little bit of coleslaw you, left you on top. You literally eat your day. Yeah. You eat your <laughs> dinner and then you have dessert down there at the very end. All in one. All in one. Perfect. All a right. good application of that. Okay. Number one. <laughs> I guess it's a good way to get your money's worth at the ballpark. Exactly. Fascinated to know what you have here for number one. Um, so this one uh, is fairly traditional, but I love anything smothered with spicy, cheesy goodness. Um, so there's a Colorado at the Rockies, a Colorado queso stack. Um, green chili is big out there. I used to eat a ton of it, like spicy green chili. And um, so they dump that all over fries with carnitas, pico de gallo, jalapeno, and sour cream. Okay. So I'm going with the twins. They do good food. They did what you had there. They also, and my number one here, they do a Bloody Mary. Oh, that's a good call. But guess what's on top of the Bloody Mary? A burger. Not just a burger. Oh, Mora. It is so much more than a burger. <laughs> this Bloody Mary has three slabs of sausage, pepper jack cheese, a cheeseburger on top of another breakfast sandwich, and of course, a celery stick, because you have to. How much does this thing cost? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. It's just like it's my, on my list to eat. Well, you're getting like seven meals in there. <laughs> and a drink. There we go. You get it. You get all in one. The ultimate ballpark food there, the twins and their Bloody Mary that is really just like 18 cheeseburgers on top of it. But uh, okay, that was our take on Ranked, our two favorite things food and baseball and yes. sports and we all we all brought it back the together. 253 says peanut butter and gumballs pizza for Mr. Deeds. Oh god, we got to get out of here. I'm too <laughs> hungry right now. All right, thanks for listening. Bump and Stacy up next.